If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. In need of great talent for your business, but short on time like all of us? Well, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find the perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. I'm talking about Zip Recruiter. With Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with one Click and rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. And that is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on the right candidate finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results right now. Listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, F-R-E-E. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace, ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. Thank you, ZipRecruiter. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. A pickup truck turning down a pedestrian path for runners, walkers, bicyclists, and it appears that driver was aiming right for them. All I heard was the impact of a crash, and I turned around to see where that came from, and I saw the white pickup truck. Authorities revealing that suspect in a rented pickup truck made a deliberate turn onto that path. It is the deadliest attack since 9-11. I see two gentlemen laying there, and they have tire track marks across them. I saw a guy with two guns. He's just running in the middle of the street. At least eight dead tonight, many more injured. The driver running people over his path about a mile long before he ended. This was an act of terror and a particularly cowardly act of terror aimed at innocent civilians 
aimed at people going about their lives who had no idea what was about to hit them. We know that this action was intended to break our spirit, but we also know New Yorkers are strong, New Yorkers are resilient, and our spirit will never be moved by an act of violence, an act meant to intimidate us. We have been tested before as a city very near the site of today's tragedy, and New Yorkers do not give in in the face of these kinds of actions. We'll respond as we always do. We will be undeterred. We know we will get down to the bottom of what happened. I want to ask all New Yorkers, all Americans, to keep the families of those lost in your thoughts and prayers. They will need our support. And I want to ask all New Yorkers to be vigilant. Americans mowed down dead in the so-called capital of the world, right here on American soil. As a man injures 15, kills 8, shouting, Allahu Akbar in New York leaves behind notes and a flag, pledging loyalty to a terror group and proud of it. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, and we want justice. How did it happen? Police insiders say the man is a terrorist who killed civilians on Tuesday. Eight dead, 15 injured after he drove a mile down a bike path. He's been here since 2010. How has he gone under the radar for that long, only to unleash taking American lives? He's lived in Ohio and Florida, currently residing in New Jersey. Interesting. How did trucking companies registered under his name, how, how did that happen? How is he an Uber driver? How did he go under the radar only to make himself known with murder? Joining me right now, Bruce Alexander, terror expert, whose career spans over 30 years in counterterrorism, intelligence, security, homeland security, forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Daniel Bober. Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter Art Harris and death scene investigator Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University. First of all, let's get the facts. Art Harris, investigative reporter, what happened? Nancy, this Uzbek national rented a truck in New Jersey and yesterday drove it into a crowd in Manhattan, lower Manhattan, mowing down, killing 11, injuring 13 as he drove it along a bike path in the shadows of the World Trade Center memory. And uh, it was chaos. Uh, it, uh, he then gets out of the truck with a what looked like guns, but they are fake guns, one paintball gun, uh, and a BB gun, and starts yelling Allah Akbar, which you know is God is great. People have reported that. And he's taken down, he's shot once by a very vigilant New York City police officer, and he's now under arrest and actually, I hear, cooperating with law enforcement, which could give us an important uh, window into his, his motives. They believe that he was radicalized and a lone wolf type, but with ISIS sympathies. Uh, this is someone very disturbing, but they have not linked him to any larger cells or larger plot as of now. To Dr. Daniel Bober, uh, forensic psychiatrist, and to Bruce Alexander, terror expert, I want to figure out how these guys, uh, how this guy in particular, and we know that he has compatriots, stayed under the radar for this long, and I want to go into the mind of someone who is so brainwashed they would commit mass murder. To Bruce Alexander, first question to you, how did he stay under the radar for so long? Well, Nancy, therein lies the danger of, of individuals like this and the nature of this particular attack. The way he was able to stay under the radar for so long is, is that he was able to effectively disguise, if you will, or conceal or, or cover uh, ordinary actions that may be indicators, pre-incident indicators of, of a terrorist plot or, or a larger-scale attack under the guise of normal, everyday type of activities. You know, there's nothing innocuous about renting a, a truck unless you know their intent. 
But day in and day out, you know, the, the term that I use is, is, you know, he was a gray man. In other words, uh, he, he just simply fits in. And the environment that he's in provides him okay, with wait a minute, cover, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said he's the gray man. Is that what you just said? Right. Yes, yes. It, 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 and sort of what I mean by that is, is that, you know, it, 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 it blends in. And um, in the innocuous is the camouflage, if you will, uh, that allows acts like this to be to, to be effectively carried out. If you don't have any tells, if you don't have any indicators, and you use your ordinary life, if you will, if you're you know putting ourselves in the guise of a terrorist here, um, to to carry out uh, you know whether it's a case of a surveillance or, or you know a, pr- a dry run type of thing. If you use that as a pretext or a cover, you can, you can be quite effective, and therein lies the danger. You know, it's uh, lone individuals uh, using um, daily life, if you will, uh, as, as a means to facilitate so a terrorist So you're saying uh, the way that attack. they blended in was by really assuming a role of normalcy within American culture, and nobody seemed to notice. Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist, how does that work? Nancy, these are very often people who are disillusioned, they're marginalized, they're living on the fringes of society, and very often they have an axe to grind. They don't really uh, fit in, and they're ver- they're really ripe to be radicalized. I mean, how much attention is someone going to draw if they're going home on the Internet and they're going to these jihadi websites? Uh, they're being influenced. They're not necessarily being supported by a terrorist organization, but they're being inspired and they want to make a name for themselves, and you're going to see this more and more. You've seen it all around the world, and with the proliferation of the Internet and social media, it's going to keep happening again and again, and there's very little way to prevent it. We are talking about Safulo Habubilovic Sepov. How did he blend in? How did he fly under the radar and then explode in an act of such extreme violence in the city of New York, a terrorist act that has taken more lives than any other act since September 11? Eight dead, repeat, eight dead, many, many more wounded, many more uh possibly more than a dozen trying to recover as our country wrestles with yet another terror attack. And it leads to the fear, Art Harris, of an attack at a mall while we're out shopping for Christmas or, you know, what do they call the day, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday? Just these people, how did it go down exactly, Art Harris? They were innocent people out in the street, tell me the mechanics of how this guy, Safulo Habibulovic Sapov, pull it off. Well, Nancy, first, he had been on the radar of the FBI in a in an unrelated investigation, but did not, you know, sound an alarm that was necessary wait, to, wait, to wait, make an arrest. Wait, wait, How can you be yeah. under the radar with the FBI? Wait, uh, in the crosshairs well, of the they, FBI, know, Nancy, but you don't raise suspicion, because if the FBI is looking at you, that's suspicious. They had his name. This happened before, Nancy. It, uh, you know, if somebody is a peripheral character, you have to prioritize. It's like a triage in an emergency room. What suspect do you go after first, or you know, how dangerous do they think they are? You know, you can't do everybody. So uh, he, his name popped up. He'd been here since 2010. Landed at Kennedy Airport from uh, Tashkent, Uzbekistan, which has a very, uh, a very large uh, uh, Muslim community. Uh, And so this is something that the Soviets have problems with as well. So he now is in this country, stays with a cousin, goes to Florida, winds up in New Jersey working for Uber. And he goes and rents this truck. He's he's a green card. He's got a license. There's no way to really, uh, as Bruce put it, stop him uh, from conducting legal, normal, quote, business of a resident alien. So he gets the truck and he drives over. We don't know if he scouted it before or if he was cruising around and looking for an opportunity, but he finds the bike path and guns it, drives for a mile without before until he hits a school bus and a couple of injured there, but he gets out and starts running, and that's when the circumstances take over and the cop intercedes. But as Bruce said, it's very difficult 
to find these folks. It would be uh, terrific if somebody was cruising these these sites and could somehow pick up on language that indicated that a certain person was about to do something radical. Uh, I don't know of any kind of software or uh, intelligence uh, approach that is using that yet. Maybe they do. You're right, Art. What I was trying to say is he was on many different ISIS-related websites. This is what we know. A 29-year-old man drives a rental truck down a path in Manhattan for quite some time there near the World Trade Center, plowing into people, eight dead, 14 others injured that we know of. This guy, Sefilo Habibulovic Sepov, he has been identified as living in New Jersey, and it's not that ISIS is claiming credit later. A note was found in his truck claiming the attack was for ISIS. Now, he's lived in Patterson, which is not far from New York. Um, this is also very, very disturbing to you, Bruce Alexander. We are now learning that he was radicalized domestically. Radicalized domestically. Does that mean he was radicalized here in the U.S.? Nancy, I, I think, um, uh, as, as the doctor pointed out before, it's been a combination of things. Uh, number one is clearly the influence of the Internet and the social media is a, is a primary source and a continuing source of radicalization. But to your point also, part of that radicalization also can be exposure to radical theology and or within a social setting of individuals of like-minded bent, if you will, or who sort of sit on the periphery, as, um, as was previously mentioned, who by virtue of exposure through conversations perhaps start to legitimize what it is they're about to do. So the radicalization, it's a two-step process. Again, one, exposure to social media, the Internet level, and then secondly, fueled uh, uh, either directly or indirectly by like-minded exposure to like-minded individuals. Uh, it's, it's not one just source, one particular source, and therein lies the danger in trying to stop this because, well, you know, if, in theory, if you eliminated the Internet, there would still be some exposure somewhere else. And so we could never isolate all of those variables. You know, he was cruising all of these websites, ISIS-related websites, to Joe Scott Morgan, forensic expert. I want to look for a moment at the victims and how they were killed. The terror attack victims include students, school staff, tourists that were celebrating a reunion. In fact, five friends were there celebrating their high school reunion when they were killed. How did it happen from the point of view of a death scene investigator, Joe Scott Morgan? This fellow was in, uh, uh, is essentially meant to tow several thousand pounds of equipment, this sort of thing, and it can be easily accessed via Home Depot. I've actually rented one of these things before. This is a Ford F-250 cab. For people that don't understand how big that is, it's, it's one of the larger trucks that you can have, V8 engine. It's like a V8 sledgehammer going into this tiny, confined area. It's one of the most popular bike paths in all of Manhattan. You've got people in a confined area. They're riding bikes. They're jogging. And this guy's riding down the middle of them. And there's not a lot of places that the victims could duck out of the way. So what's happening, if he's not, if, if people are not being hit and pushed out of the way, you essentially have rollover injuries. And the reason a lot of these injuries are going to be so nasty is the fact that some of these people were on bikes. So the bikes get caught beneath the wheels. You can look at some of the images and see how twisted these things are. And you've got people that if they weren't fatally injured, killed, they're going to be suffer terrible injuries, lifelong injuries as a result of this. This guy... Again, this goes back to this whole idea that we've talked about before. You've got the general public completely caught unaware. They're sitting ducks in a confined space where they have no place to go. My thought relative to this as an investigator is that this is a place that was specifically targeted, that he knew that people would be very, very vulnerable. And he's driving down the middle of this thing. And he took out as many people as he possibly could. And, and Nancy, this is this this vehicle. It, it really enables an individual to fly under the radar again, using that term 
to go out and rent rent one of these things and then take it and facilitate this kind of, and essentially you've got this large like I said F250 sledgehammer that has been weaponized and and that's that's the real horror isn't it I mean you know we're talking about in these confined spaces and it, it really makes you put your head on a swivel you're looking around and you're thinking my god we're not looking for guns here any any one of these vehicles out here can be used so uh, these people are going to suffer horribly that have survived and these these uh, uh, the people that died died very very painfully. I just hate it. I hate it so much for them. Dr. Daniel Bober, explain to me. Uh, you're our forensic psychiatrist, and then I want to ask the same question of Bruce Alexander, our terror expert. Dr. Bober, I'm trying to figure out how this the mind of a person that could get radicalized domestically that could completely change their course of action by what they read online and to get so, so extremely, so radically turned around because it it's coming out, as a matter of fact, in the last minutes that he was radicalized here in the U.S. Well, Nancy, these are essentially weak individuals. These are people that have very poor self-concept. They have a very poor sense of who they are. And they're looking for some sort of meaning, something to fill the void within themselves to give themselves motivation in life. And so it doesn't happen overnight. You know, they start reading these uh, this jihadi literature on the Internet, and slowly but surely, over time, they are essentially converted and radicalized into this belief system and want to please the people that they are serving. To you. Bruce Alexander, terror expert whose career spans over 30 years in counterterrorism, intelligence security, and homeland security. How does it happen? How do you pull off the facade of normalcy in Patterson, New Jersey, only to be planning an ISIS terrorist attack? I, I think it speaks to uh, conviction. Conviction in the belief of the uh, the cause in which the individual is willing to sacrifice himself for, um, and, in, and in such a case, it gives them a certain resolve. And I, and I think you know, Doctor Bober can certainly talk to to the, you know the, the mental characteristics of that transformation that goes through that. But it's it's really sort of a mission focus, um, and, and we see it in, in high skilled. Uh, uh, good guys on our side, if you will, who have an intense mission focus and understand it's something, uh, thankfully on our side anyway, larger than themselves. But the, unfortunately, the reverse side is, is in this particular case, you have a strain of an extremist ideology that says, um, my, my cause is so righteous and great that giving my life in this is worth every bit of what I'm doing it. So what that does is translates to a, a real sort of intense mission focus, both during the pre-operational phase. And, and by the way, I, I, I happen to believe, too, that this particular uh, uh, vehicle was uh, ideally suited for that particular target, if you will, that pathway, which also suggests to me that there was probably, probably conducted uh, some surveillance on that and figured out what's the best weapon to do this. But it goes back to um, uh, an intense sort of mission focus that simply says, my cause is so great that um, the operational indicators or factors that uh, might lead to my discovery um, will be controlled by my belief in the cause, if you will, the, you know, my ability or the risk of detection. So that's typically where you see that at uh, that, that, that belief in, in cause leads to a manifestation of that belief by the operation itself. According to video from the scene, the perp jumps out of the wrecked vehicle, brandishing handguns, shouting, Allahu Akbar, which means in Arabic, God is great. I want to pause and thank our sponsor making today's program possible. It's LegalZoom. As a business owner, you know how important, how critical it is to keep moving forward. But as in everything, 
Issues pop up that take your time and focus away from growing that business. When it comes to reviewing contracts, registering trademarks, staying current on fees, permits, LegalZoom.com simplifies your life. It was actually created 16 years ago by the brightest minds in law and technology. And LegalZoom has already helped over 2 million business owners easily and affordably navigate the legal system with confidence. You know, 2 million plus people cannot be wrong. Best part, you never have to worry about a lawyer's sneaky billable hours stacking up behind your back. LegalZoom is not a law firm. Instead, you get the advice you need to answer your business questions at fixed rates. Very transparent through LegalZoom's nationwide network of independent lawyers. Take pressure off yourself. Go to LegalZoom.com now. Take care of your business before the year winds down. And for special savings, enter code NANCY, N-A-N-C-Y, at the referral box at checkout. Code NANCY for special savings only at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom, thank you for what you do for business owners every single day. And thank you for being our partner today. I'm totally freaking out. Those are the words of Supermom Sherry Papini's terrified husband on the 911 call. As it has just been revealed, the mother of two, Sherry Papini, had been texting another man just before she was kidnapped. You know, uh, there's a lot of innuendo swirling around Sherry Papini that she was not really kidnapped. We don't know the truth of that. And for right now, the police are standing by her. So I suggest we do the same. Take a leap of faith until we know better. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, the Sherry Papini case developing very quickly. Let's start with the sound of her husband who comes home to find she's gone and the children are gone as well. Take a listen. 911, what is your emergency? Uh, CHP transferring. Peace is on the line. Hello, can I help you? Oh, yeah, um, so uh, I just got home from work and uh, my wife wasn't there, which is unusual, and my kids should have been there by now from like daycare. So I was like, oh, maybe she went on a walk. Um, I couldn't find her, so I called the, the daycare to see what time she picked up the kids. The kids were never picked up. So I got freaked out, so I hit, like, the Find My iPhone app thing. And it said that her, it showed her phone, like, at our end of our driveway. We don't have really good service. Okay. Uh, not the end of our driveway, but the end of our street. But so just drove down there, and I saw her phone with her headphones because she started running again. And it's, I found her phone, and it's got, like, hair ripped out of it, like, in the headphones. So I'm, like, totally freaking out, thinking, like, somebody, okay, like, what's just your, grabbed her. Okay, what's your address? Ready. What, okay, what's your last name? Yes. Papini, P-A-P-I-N-I. And your first name? Uh, Keith. K-E-I-T-H? Uh, yes. Okay. Did you go pick up your children? No, I'm going to call my mom and have her do it. Okay. What's your wife's name? I'm going to, like, knock on every door. Uh, Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I. And same last name? Yes. She white female? Yes. What's her date of birth? Uh, it is uh, June 11, 1982. With me is Art Harris, Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter, Dr. Chloe Carmichael, psychologist, joining us, and, of course, Alan Duke joining me from L.A. Let's go straight to Art Harris. He seems very, very calm, but I learned a lot just from the very beginning of his 911 call. She had just started running, quote, again. And he has found her iPhone with a big clump of hair in it near their driveway. I I thought it was on a jogging path. It's what we had learned from before. Everybody just joining us, the 35-year-old so-called supermom, Sherry Papini, was kidnapped and beaten last year. Police say male DNA was also found on her clothes. That's a new development. But after nearly a month, it was Thanksgiving time, she was discovered wandering beaten and bloodied in a town called YOLO. As of right now, police still don't know who abducted her. She said it was two Hispanic females. They kept their faces covered. Now, this disturbing audio has been released of her husband, Keith, calling when he realized she had been kidnapped, saying, I'm like totally freaking out. 
thinking somebody grabbed her. This was just released after news that Sherry was texting another man just before her kidnapping. Now, Art, it's my understanding police tracked that guy down in Detroit, Michigan, just a week after she disappeared. But he was never arrested. For all I know, it was an old college friend. I don't know who it was. They have not uh, made any charges or any arrests of him, Nancy. And so we are left with this very bizarre mystery of a truck driver going north on Interstate 5, seeing her just before Thanksgiving a year ago. Uh, and she is in restraints and uh, and bruised and, and beaten up. And he, uh, you know, he takes her into his his truck and takes her to the hospital uh, where evidence is collected, more photographs taken, swabs for DNA, and her hair was cut to shoulder length and she had a brand on her right shoulder. So this is uh, something that is still being investigated. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, of course, she says someone very specific, two women, in fact, uh, kidnapped her. Sherry Papini had been out apparently running near her home. She was found about a month later jumping out in front of cars, emaciated. She was starved, had lost about 20 pounds, beaten, branded, bruised, running, well, dumped by the roadside where she was attempting to run out in front of traffic, trying to get someone to help her. Dr. Chloe, if this is a giant ruse to Dr. Chloe Carmichael, it's hard for me to believe she starved herself. No, Nancy, of course, that would be just about impossible. Um, The idea that she would starve herself uh, down to 87 pounds and brand herself, um, I mean, that's just the most honestly implausible thing I think I've ever heard. Take a listen to more of the just-released 911 call. Is her vehicle there? Does she not have a vehicle? She has a vehicle. It's at the house. Okay, the vehicle yeah, is at the house? She's running. How? Okay. Yes, I'm how? in it right now driving, and I took a picture of her phone on the ground before I picked it up. Okay, how tall is she? 5'3", 5'4". How much does she weigh? 100 pounds. Eye color? Uh, like a bluish blue. Okay, hair color? Blonde. Do you know what she was wearing? Is there no something she always wears? I'm assuming she went running, so okay, probably there's... wearing athletic textbooks. Okay, there's not an outfit she always wears or anything like that. she run with a dog or by herself? By herself. Okay. What time were the kids? We just started running again, and we live in a... When's the, last time... when... When's the last time you heard from her? Uh, she sent me a text asking me if I was coming home for lunch. What time was that? Um, uh, well, give me one second. She sent me at 1047 asking me if I was coming home from lunch from work. And I said, sorry, long day. And that was the last. Never spoke to her on the phone, never any other contact. Okay, and what time are the kids supposed to be picked up? Way before 5.30, she usually goes to like 4.45. Okay. 4.30, 4.45. Okay, are you headed back to the house or where are you at right now? I'm at the end of the driveway where, uh, I'm at the Old Oregon Trail and Sunrise where they meet because that's right where I found her phone on the ground. Telling me that something happened to her is the way I'm looking at it. There's like then there was hair like in the headphones, like it got ripped off and like the grab. Yeah, no, I und- I understand. I understand. Okay, let's pause just a moment. I want to go back to Art Harris. What do you make of the husband's demeanor? And I, I'm hearing something that I had noticed at the beginning, but now it's been confirmed. It's not like Papini when she was kidnapped, left her children alone in the car at the Walmart parking lot or abandoned somewhere. They were safe and sound in daycare. So she didn't have to be worried that any harm would befall them. Uh, We know that. I still don't know about the man she was texting. But what do you make of the husband's demeanor, Art? Well, Nancy, he seems very composed. And he's he's trying. He seems 
quietly panicked, but he's looking for information now through his, uh, I guess, his his uh, his phone to see when she texted him. But he has actually, uh, of course, he's the per- first person that police look at, and he's actually uh, passed a polygraph. So um, he apparently is off the table as a suspect at this point. I, yeah, I, I never thought he was a suspect. I'm just wondering how he considered her behavior, what he thought of her missing. I think he, she sounds shocked to me. He sounds like he's trying to figure this out in his head, like, you know, what, what's going on? I mean, he's not, he hasn't faced the actual gravity of what is, has happened. Can't imagine that, that his wife would be kidnapped or a victim. Uh, I mean, who, who does process that that quickly unless you, you knew what happened? You know, Alan, do you, I would characterize his demeanor as being very calm, abnormally calm. But when you think about it, Alan, it's I could be also a mixture of trying to figure out where could she be. I, I can't believe she's really been kidnapped. There's got to be another answer to this. As opposed to when you come in and you find somebody dead and you go hysterical. Right. This is a whole different thing. Well, he didn't necessarily know anything was wrong. And by the way, the phone was down the end of his street, uh, not near his driveway, if you listen closely to the call. So it was on that jogging path. But yeah, he sounds like a very concerned husband. And as Art says, he passed the polygraph. But Joe Joseph Scott Morgan always says something that I, I believe, and that is that you can't necessarily judge somebody's guilt, innocence, involvement by their demeanor at a certain time. That, that can be misleading, but... He sounded he sounded very calm. To Dr. Chloe Carmichael, what do you think of Sherry Papini's description of the female attackers? Well, uh, it's it's certainly unusual. Um, I, I I agree. It's 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 pretty mystifying. Um, it, two two attackers that were uh, women. Um, it's it's usually not something that we see. Uh, for women to go out and, and hold an, another woman or a man captive and, and to brutalize them this way. It's so unusual that I would really, I almost think that there would be a man behind it on some level. And that's nothing, um, you know, against men specifically, but it's just about the testosterone and the aggression and, and the, the patterns of brutality that we see. That's just not something that's normally, um, you know, created by women. So I certainly do find it um, curious and perhaps suggestive that there's a man behind it on some level. Um, you know, Alan, I was taking a look. I had thought that her cell phone was off of a jogging track that I thought he said on the 911 call that was just released. It was at the foot of the driveway. But you're right. We were right. It was about a mile away at the intersection of Sunrise and Old Oregon Highway. Quote, neatly placed on the ground with the headphones tidily wrapped around it. Again, some people may say she placed it there to be found, but very often when you jog and you carry your iPhone with you, if you're wearing headphones or an earpiece, you wrap it around the phone so it won't be dangling as you jog. So I I also don't find that to be disturbing or indicative in any way that she planned this. Yeah, I mean, Alan, let's get real. There was no sex attack. There was no robbery. There was no ransom note. There's no real motive, no clear motive as for the kidnapping. The fact that she claims women kidnapped her is highly improbable statistically. But other than those two things, we have no reason to disbelieve her. Why is everybody jumping on this? I mean, and claiming she's lying. I think part of it is a California thing. Out here in California, we've had a number of disappearances of young women, and they've involved female kidnappers. And also the area where she lives is known for some mysterious kidnappings. It's sort of like the Bermuda Triangle of missing women. And I think that creates a little bit of... Oh, the Emerald Triangle? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been a lot of female kidnappings that were never solved in that so-called Emerald Triangle. You and I have talked about it many times, Alan. Hey, uh, Art Harris, do we know whatever happened to all that money that was raised for um, the Bring Sherry Home Safe appeal? It raised almost $50,000. What happened to that money? Nancy, uh, a full accounting has not been uh, 
uh, produced that I know of, uh, assume it went to the husband to help, but uh, uh, we haven't seen any accounts of that. We also know she was battered, bruised, her hair had been chopped off to her shoulder. She once had it all the way down her back. Uh, she said she had not been sexually assaulted. She was branded with a threatening message that has never been released. Why is that, Art, that the brand has never been released? And who brands somebody? It sounds like it's out of a, a novel written by a fifth grader. Often, Nancy, that is a, a form of, of, of domination and bondage or some sort of uh, devi- deviance, but also a gang type thing. I mean, you're somebody's property if you brand them like, like a a piece of like a cat, a cow, a cattle uh, that gets branded if he wanders off somebody's uh, range and onto somebody else's property. Uh, you know who that who that uh, that cow belongs to. So in this case, it sounds very, very demeaning uh, uh, and uh, and and humiliating. But uh, she was she was branded in some possible ritual or. But I'm sure the police have some sort of. They're holding that back because obviously it's a piece of evidence and they can use it to match. Uh, with uh, with a suspect, possibly, if they ever arrest anybody. There's no doubt about it. She was branded and starved. You know, guys, I want to pause and thank our partners today, making our program possible. Everybody knows how much I love our family dog, Fat Boy, street name Nitro. And I'm always on the lookout for fun things to do with Fat Boy. Well, I found a new collar I want to tell you about, and it is called Link AKC. And it's a lot more than just a collar. It's backed by the American Kennel Club. The Link AKC collar is a GPS locator, a fitness activity tracker, and a smartphone app all rolled into one. Now, I love the locator because you always know where your dog is. I don't have to worry, did Fat Boy jump over the fence? Is he running down the street chasing a car or being chased by a car? I know exactly where he is at all times right there on the app. It's total peace of mind. Now, get this. It's a dog activity and wellness tracker. Laugh if you want. It doesn't matter how old your dog is or what kind of shape the dog is in, whether it's a pure breed or a mixed mutt-like fat boy. Link AKC shows the exact amount of activity every single dog needs. It's easy to set up. There are sizes for every dog, and it's super comfy. I mean, Fat Boy's a little pound puppy, and he is in hog heaven with this fancy collar. Link AKC looks great on Fat Boy. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see the pictures we posted. Keep your dog safe, happy, and healthy. It got easier with a special offer from Link AKC. Go to linkakc.com, use code NANCY to save a full 30% on your order with free shipping. Code NANCY, 30% off your order, free shipping at linkakc.com. Linkakc.com. Linkakc.com, thank you. Guys, I want you to hear this dispatch from Chip, California Highway Patrol. CHP is on scene and advised she is chained to something. Uh, CHP is advising she is uh, heavily battered and it is confirmed kidnapping. Updated location is going to be just south of Yolo on northbound I-5. So, Dr. Chloe Carmichael with me along with Art Harris. Chloe, she's actually bound. She is tied up or, or secured with chains and dumped out on the street, really jumping in front of oncoming traffic to get rescued. It's so bizarre why they would take her in the first place, why they would brutalize her and why they would brand her. And then why it is that they would dump her out on the side of the road. I think that's partly what's so disturbing to the public about this is because it feels like a a violence and a level of depravity that we really can't even put into any kind of a framework, which makes it just seem all the more um, haunting and, and deeply disturbing. I like what she just said, Art Harris, that we can't put it into a framework. I mean, I've tried, I don't even know how many cases, and you've covered the same amount of cases. When we can't find a clear motive, somehow it just doesn't fit. And I think that's what's troubling people with this case. I think you're right, Nancy. In this case, 
you would think that, okay, somebody is held and bound and uh, gosh, it, it must be a kidnap for ransom, but nothing like that was ever uh, raised. No calls for uh, money were ever made. Uh, so this sounds like just pure, as you're, pure depravity uh, and somehow uh, some kind of anger, resentment, uh, uh, you know, by, by whatever party took her. Uh, or, you know, the other thing is, and you never want to put a victim on trial, uh, but I'm sure police have, uh, they have looked and have, gosh, lots of search warrants have not discovered or announced any sort of secret life that you would uh, find with, with sometimes with victims who, uh, who make up excuses, uh, as we've seen before, sometimes uh, with disturbed uh, victims. Ever since her rescue, Sherry Papini has been living as a recluse. Is that right, Art? We have heard nothing about her really state of mind, of, of her uh, situation. So this is someone whose privacy is, is uh, being protected uh, and who does not want any attention. She's got to be incredibly traumatized uh, and, uh, you know, somehow emerging uh, to try to find her, her psyche, her life, and her, her, her peace as uh, a mother uh, and a family. And uh, we assume that she's being protected uh, by people who love her. We know that she is living as a recluse. You know, she was found with a chain around her waist, clamps around her wrists, her face beaten and bruised, weighing just 87 pounds. I, uh, that seems very difficult to have faked all that to me. But without a motive, her, her story is still under fire by many. Living as a recluse with her husband and children now, I was recently asked, what do you make of the way she looks now? And I responded, well, she looks like every woman looks when they first wake up before they've had hair and makeup. It bothers me when people attack women that are not made up, so to speak, Dr. Chloe. I mean, it's like everyone expects her to look like she did in her wedding photos after they were circulated. Well, it is. It's, it's really shocking that people would think that at this time, after what she's been through, that she would be thinking on any level about how to attract you know, attention to herself or how to polish herself for the way that she would appear to others. What she really is, you know, I hope doing right now is trying to reestablish a relationship with her own body because her body was essentially taken away from her for all of this time. She wasn't the possessor of her own self. And so right now, I think her attention is probably just on trying to understand her own relationship with her own body rather than sending out signals for others. You know, Art Harris, there's been a real spate of fake kidnappings recently. There was the one where the mom um, Facebook herself a video with a gag in her mouth, and I guess she kidnapped her own self in the basement. Um, th there have been a, a real spate of them why, why would someone even bother to do that, Art? You've been covering these cases. Nancy, uh, I think, uh, you know, guilt and shame play a big role, especially if somebody uh, has, not saying that she did, taken a walk on the wild side uh, and uh, is trying to cover up, you know, your escapade. You know, you come up with maybe some elaborate ruses, as we've seen people uh, make against folks who they say kidnapped or tortured them uh, and they turn out to be not true at all. So we don't know if that's the case uh, in her case. It seems so extreme, as you said, the injury she suffered, the branding. Um, how do you brand yourself? Uh, I think that uh, that really begs uh, credulity. But uh, uh, you're right. There, there are the things that people will do to cover up what they have really done does boggle the mind. Guilt can play quite a role in the, in the psyche, as the doctor, I'm sure, can tell us. Well, interesting. According to the L.A. Times, they are saying that the DNA found was an unknown man's. Now, when I believed at the beginning it was just on some of her clothing, after all she had been through, I didn't find that disturbing. But According to the L.A. Times, the DNA of two other people were found on Papini when she was discovered partially clothed and shackled there on Interstate 5 on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving morning. And this says, if you read it carefully, the samples belong to a woman and a man 
and they were collected off Papini's body and clothing, respectively. Body and clothing, respectively. Now, if you read the sentence literally, that means the woman's DNA was from her body and the man's DNA was from her clothing is the way that I would read it. What do you make of it, Art Harris? That suggests uh, some sort of uh, uh, sexual, perhaps, uh, you know, either, well, molestation or events took place, uh, perhaps not, not, not of her choosing, but that certainly also contradicts her memory of two women kidnapping her. This is the first we have seen uh, or heard of a man's involvement, uh, at least uh, the way I read it. Alan Duke, there has just been another development in the case. Explain. They finally have released FBI-approved sketches of these two women uh, that Papini described. It took them a year to do it because of her emotional condition, and they took their time. It shows one woman described as a Hispanic female between 20 and 30, about five foot five, medium build, coarse, curly, dark brown hair, thin eyebrows, pierced ears. The second woman described a Hispanic female between 40 and 50, about 5'7", large build, long, straight black hair with some gray in it, thick eyebrows and pierced ears, and they were reportedly driving a dark-colored SUV. And that is going to be on our website along with this show. That's right, at CrimeOnline.com. And there's a $10,000 reward. <laughs> Maybe and they the police can. are asking for the public's help, Nancy, as, as they always do. Okay, guys, we're on it. The latest in the Sherry Papini case. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.